0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rethinking H2O podcast. Today on the show, we have Shada Esnesheri. Shada leads public policy at the Alliance for the Great Lakes. Her main focus surrounds the issue of Asian carp threatening the Great Lakes of America. After spending time in Kenya on Lake Victoria and being from a Great Lakes State, Shada is now dedicated to a mission of preserving the Great Lakes. In this episode, Shada dives into some of the Great Lake water issues specific to Asian carp. We will learn about the risks that Asian carp present to our waterways and what we can do to prevent these issues. We hope you enjoy this episode. Now, here's your host, Kevin Sogan. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. How are you doing?
1: Great. I'm good. How are you?
0: Good, thank you. How was uh How was your weekend? Pretty good.
1: Yeah. Uh, I didn't do anything too exciting.
0: What about you? Uh, about the same. Kind of just been working on some some Darley Water stuff. Some some responsible things I'm working on. And it's, it's kind of nice in January where it's it's there's really not many distractions. I mean, it's it's crummy weather out. Yeah. There's there's really not a whole lot of distraction. So I kinda of stay inside, get a lot of work done, and and kind of turn into a hermit crab. But nothing wrong with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah, it's, it's all very
1: positive outlook on Yeah, I've one of the worst months.
0: I, I have a lot of friends who are just miserable during this month. I'm like, this is the best month of the year. You get you actually work hard, work, roll up your sleeves, and then feel less bad in June when you're taking half day Fridays and going to the beach.
1: Yep. Yeah, definitely.
0: Nice yeah nice well just get, get us going uh Shada tell us a little bit about yourself and 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 how you started uh, getting involved with the Alliance for the Great Lakes
1: yeah, so my role at the Alliance for the Great Lakes is policy coordinator um and I've been here since April of 2017 so I still think of myself as relatively new even though I'm coming up on a year this April um. My background is generally in public policy and evaluation, Um, so I've kind of worked in several different sectors, government, uh, education, that sort of thing. Um, So I'm relatively new to the environmental sector. Um, Before coming to the Alliance, I was working in rural Kenya um, on an early childhood education project, Um, and while I was there, I was actually living on Lake Victoria, which is one of the African Great Lakes, Um, and they are facing similar problems that people in the United States are facing in terms of polluted uh, water from agriculture, uh, lack of access to drinking water, that sort of thing. So the connection when I was moving home was really there. And I'm also from a Great Lakes state. I'm from Minnesota originally. Um, so I felt really drawn to the mission of the Alliance for the Great Lakes, which is broadly to protect and restore the Great Lakes for people and wildlife forever. Um, so I think it's a, a really important mission, um, and I'm happy to be here.
0: So That's fantastic. And, yeah, it seems, I like how it's kind of come Full Circle where you were on Lake Victoria, which... I was actually on Lake Victoria in October when I was uh, installing some water systems in Tanzania, and I remember standing at the, the edge of the water, and just similar to that field in Lake Michigan where it's so wide and expansive that it almost feels like an ocean with how big it is,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and just seeing the, the daily livelihood of everyone living off the water, and then also seeing a lot of the industrial and farm runoff, and of these people having really no other option because that's their livelihood is from the water, and they don't really have anything else to go towards, and that's just, they have to adapt to this changing dynamic of the water being polluted and, and their economic livelihoods being directly tied to that.
1: Exactly, yeah. I think water is really something that connects us all on a global scale,
0: so. Yeah, and I, I liked how you said, oh, I mean, that you saw some of these problems in Lake Victoria. And sometimes people think here in America, oh, or, or, you know, we are don't really have those problems here, or there's, it's not as big of an issue here, or We we've got the EPA, so <laughs> we're fine, right? But mm-hmm. I think that it's it's safe to say that's not the case. So you're, you're now working for the Great Lakes, the Alliance for Great Lakes, and doing some policy work. So I'd love if you could maybe dive into maybe an example of some of the policy work, and in particular, one that... I know is of interest, is uh, invasive species. And what, maybe dive into a little bit about sort of what, what is something that you're working on with invasive species, and, and what, what is the Great Alliance for Great Lakes doing to, to help combat some of these problems?
1: Yeah, so um, in terms of invasive species, we work on a few different things, but the main thing that I'm working on um, is preventing Asian carp from reaching the Great Lakes. So what is an Asian carp? or what is an invasive species. Um, generally speaking, it's a species that is not n- naturally occurring in that particular habitat, habitat, so in this case, that's Asian carp. Um, they're not native to the Great Lakes or American waterways in general. Um, we also have things like quagga and zebra mussels, which some of my colleagues work on, but I'm most familiar with um, Asian carp. Um, so, yeah.
0: So how, of, how did the yeah, Asian carp... First, get to America and why were they brought here in the first place?
1: Yeah, well, so first of all, I want to recommend a book for folks who are really interested in this subject and the Great Lakes in general. Um, There's a book called The Death and Life of the Great Lakes by Dan Egan, um, and it really goes in depth on this issue of invasive species, Asian carp, and several others in the Great Lakes. Um, But yeah, I really recommend that if people want to go in depth on it. But generally speaking, Asian carp were originally imported um, from Southeast Asia to the southern United States. I want to say it was Kentucky where they first landed. Um, I'm not sure about that, but this is my understanding, is that they were introduced to help aquaculture and wastewater treatment facilities um, keep retention ponds clean. Um, what happens with invasive species, Invasive species, generally speaking, is they're brought in for something um, that seems like a really good idea at the time. They think they'll be able to control the population, um, and ultimately, they escape. So, because of flooding, um, these fish escaped into the Mississippi River system and migrated into the Missouri and Illinois rivers. Um, the Mississippi, Missouri, and Illinois rivers are all connected and allow fish to swim freely between them. And the Illinois River in particular is also connected to the Great Lakes uh, by a man made connection. Uh, It's known as the Chicago Sanitary and Ship Canal. Um, So, this really puts the Great Lakes in danger because of this direct uh, connection. Um, And earlier this summer, in June of 2017, um, there was a live silver carp found just 9 miles from Lake
0: Michigan so that was quite alarming wow so what what is being done specifically to now prevent this, this expansion of asian carp into the chicago river and then hopefully never the uh, lake lake michigan and all great lakes
1: Yeah, so there are a few things um, going on. There are several advocates, including the Alliance for the Great Lakes, who are really working to find a permanent solution to the prevention of not only Asian carp, but all invasive species being introduced to um, the Great Lakes. Um, So we're going to need to back up to February of 2017. Um, The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers was uh, working on a feasibility study of several different prevention, um, efforts, uh, at Brandon load, Brandon road, lock and dam. Um, they are evaluating structural and non-structural options and technologies. Um, Brandon road was chosen as a possible control point because it's, uh, a 24 foot difference in water elevation at the dam, which functionally limits upstream transfer of, um, aquatic invasive species at this site. So the is going on. It's slated for release in February of 2017. Uh, due to the change in administration um, and strong shipping interests lobbying the Trump administration to pull the study, it is not released in February 2017. And the alliance, along with other advocates, um, spent most of the summer fighting to get it released Um, It was finally released in August of 2017, and then there was a public comment period. So we saw this opportunity as really like the first step in um, achieving a permanent solution. Uh, They were coming up with things like lock closure at the most extreme, or there are things like electric barriers, um, complex noise, all, all these different... Uh, very very technical things that would deter the fish from moving into Lake Michigan. And without this study, they couldn't move forward with implementation. So now we're at a period of we need to get this study actually implemented. Um, There's a lot of steps that go into getting it implemented. Um, The final culmination would be something that's called a chief's report that is slated for delivery in early 2019, um, which is a recommendation to Congress to implement a suite of measures to prevent the transfer of Asian carp um, to the Great Lakes. Uh, that being said, there is still that strong shipping lobby um, that is working hard to delay this even further.
0: Gotcha. <clears throat> it, that's unfortunate to see some of the dynamics of modern-day politics in going against what maybe is right versus kind of going for business interest. Um, mm-hmm. But I want, I want to take a quick step back and, and just maybe dive into a little bit more of what is the Asian carp itself? I, I know people have heard that, and maybe this illustrious term, but I, I know they were brought in to help with some of the, the runoff and, and maybe some of the, the cleanup. But why are, why are these Asian carp such a big deal and something that we cannot uh, overlook?
1: Sure. So when we're talking about Asian carp, we're actually talking about three different species of Asian carp. There's the big head, the silver, and the black carp. Um, The silver and the big head carp are what are known as filter feeding fish. Uh, They consume plant and animal plankton. Uh, They grow to really large sizes, some of them as large as 110 pounds. Um, uh, Big head and silver carp are also voracious eaters. They are capable of eating about five to 20% of their body weight each day. Um, they consume plankton like algae and other microscopic or- organisms. So they essentially strip the food web of key source for food, a uh, food for small and big fish. Um, so this is really problematic uh, to the sustainability of the natural ecosystem of whatever waterway they end up in, including the great lakes. Um, so another issue is there are big economic um, costs as well as social costs uh, to the introduction of Asian carp into the Great Lakes uh, as well as like the Mississippi River um, the, threat, the main threats are to industries like the fishing and boating industry as well as the tourism industry um, if you want to go on YouTube you can see videos of carp Um, jumping out of the water Um, they jump out of the water when they're startled Uh, so when there's heavy boat traffic they can jump up to 10 feet out of the water and collide with boats and people this can be potentially fatal uh, because as I mentioned before these are very large fish Um, that as well as um, they're wreaking havoc on the ecological environment this really damages the fishing industry if Asian carp are dominating. Um, This is problematic for the tourism industry because, like I said, if you have carp jumping out of the water or people aren't able to use their boats, um, you lose uh, a great source of economic vitality, primarily in Chicago where we're based, um, where I know Lake Michigan and the Chicago area waterways are a huge draw for tourism.
0: Yeah, I guess you bring up a lot of really interesting points that we could dive into further, but just to cover some of them a little bit more in depth, I mean, I think it's hard for someone to maybe understand that, hey, this fish getting into Lake Michigan, not only is it could be detrimental to the ecosystem and would would damage other fish and and strip all the food throughout the food chain, but just imagine if you had these 100-pound fish all around Lake Michigan and... You're trying to drive your yacht around and all of a sudden you have an eighty pound fish hitting you in the face. Or what that does yep. for boating, what that does for local restaurants. And so it's something that is it, it's it really is widespread and it's opportunity to really make a negative impact on the way our current livelihood around the lake is set up. Exactly. Yeah, so and and I, I mean, it's crazy to think about how I've I've seen some of those YouTube videos where there's people who are going skiing and they put these spikes on them and then they're literally driving down these rivers and they have these fish that are just jumping up and these the fish fall into the spikes that they're wearing, which is kind of yeah. ridiculous, but that's, that's a YouTube phenomenon at some point.
1: Right, and it's just insane. And, it, and again, yeah, you're right. It's hard to fathom until
0: you've experienced it. And the, and the fact of the
1: matter is it is happening in waterways already. It just hasn't reached... Lake Michigan, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all, of course, there are connections to all the other Great Lakes. So this could really pose a much larger problem um, than anyone anticipated.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned a lot about the, the boating industry and how they have very strong interests in maintaining those channels. But I know it was the boating industry that brought over some of the zebra mussels and brought over some of those weeds. And I, my family has a house in Sheboygan and in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. And some of the okay. most pristine, beautiful waters in the entire world, but they are not uh, immune to these invasive species. And there's, from Lake Michigan, people have brought in the zebra mussels, they've brought in those different weeds. And it's kind of the fear where if it gets into Lake Michigan, unfortunately, it's a ticking time bomb that it, that it gets into the rest of the Midwest water systems. So that, I think that's something that we want to ingrain in our listeners, that this is something that we can't really ignore and it it really poses a threat to the all the lakes of the midwest
1: right exactly
0: yeah and so to dive dive in a little bit more about what is specifically being done you mentioned some of the the physical barriers whether that be the the differentiation of height and then some noise some noise and then maybe some electricity fences or some sort or
1: are those Mm -hmm. kind of
0: the main three ways that we're combating them or what what else is on the horizon of what we can do to prevent this expansion?
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, so I guess maybe I can talk a little bit about the uh, electric barrier. This is electricity running through water um, at different locks and dams. These already exist um, at different points in the uh, waterway system, of which the shipping industry uses quite frequently. Um, and this is a major way that invasive species are transferred um, is through these locks and dams. Um, one thing of note that is that these electric barriers are not 100% effective. So when I'm talking about the Brandon Road study that the US Army Corps of Engineers put together, they selected, I think it was maybe six different uh, measures, structural and non-structural, electric would be considered non-structural, Um, in order to reduce their threat. It does not address the threat of Asian carp or aquatic invasive species 100%. But anyway, I also mentioned in June of 2017, uh, a live silverhead carp uh, was found uh, just nine miles from Lake Michigan. This carp was found uh, above an electric barrier, meaning... It had passed through something that was meant to prevent it from moving forward. Um, and environmental, or sorry, um, ear bone analysis, uh, which tells you the life of the fish, essentially, uh, where it grew up, indicated that this fish actually grew up south of the barrier, so that confirmed that the fish was able to, at some point in time, when some set of ships were passing through this electric barrier, was able to pass through with it. Wow. Um, so yeah, um, yeah.
0: So yeah, no, no plan is is bulletproof, and that I mean that's obviously whenever you're opening up these these rivers, which are really the sort of the bloodline between connecting America, you you risk this transfer of of species. I mean it's, that kind of age old thing from the Jared Diamond guns, germs, and steel, and looking at just the transfer of yep. germs and species over time. And I guess some of it's inevitable as humans continue to come in contact with another. But some of these invasive species really have widespread ramifications that are something that, based on our knowledge in modern science, we, we really have to do everything we can to prevent it today and to prevent the... prevent to enabled a pristine and healthy ecosystem for 10, 50, 100 years from now.
1: Right. And ultimately from my perspective is this is something we have the opportunity to control and get out ahead of. Um, It will come at some cost to um, other industries, but I think at the end of the day, they're ultimately just delaying something that's inevitable because it's not like Asian carp reaching the Great Lakes or establishing a significant population in these waterways that the shipping industry uses is not going to be problematic for them and their business. So the main argument with the shipping industry is they are concerned about delayed shipping times um, and the economic ramifications that that will have for their um, business and vitality of their business, uh, which is a legitimate concern. um, But at the end of the day, creating a solution to this problem is in the best interest of everybody who uses the waterways, including the shipping industry.
0: Mm-hmm. I really like how you phrase that. Well, what's in the best interest of everyone? And obviously, as we're seeing with this current administration and, and really the age old time of how do you balance politics and economics and environment? And it's a tough question. I mean, looking at you know, our America's actions with pulling out of the, the Paris climate accord of where, Obviously, mm-hmm. there are some things that maybe not be good for business, but we think it's overall good for the environment, and I mean, I'm I'm more of yeah. a I I'm a, a, a support renewable energy and businesses doing all they can, uh, but obviously, the business and the economic and the economy needs to continue to grow, so how do we find that balance, and I think that's something that we really need more people like yourself and organizations like the Alliance for Great Lakes that brings this information to light, and I think that that report that you mentioned, I, I want to ask, do you think that was overall productive, or do you think that helped move the needle here on this discussion, or what, what do you think that, uh, kind of, what, what are the ramifications of that now, and do you think it will, it will be more positive moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think that's a difficult question to answer. I think it's certainly positive in the way that it, it does make improvements. It does, if it is implemented, Um, which we're still talking about a very long timeline. Um, if a a final recommendation is delivered early uh, January or February of 2019, um, that means that construction doesn't start until after that. Uh, and that means we need to find funding, which is another issue that we're coming up against. Um, which means this doesn't really go into effect for several years down the line and a lot, a lot can happen in several years. um, so there are those concerns, but generally speaking, I think what the study sets out to do in terms of reducing the risk of aquatic invasive species transfer, it does that. From my perspective, and generally speaking from the Alliance's perspective, it does not go far enough. So we are still advocating for a uh, continued study of um, additional measures for preventing the transfer of invasive species, as well as looking into a two-way prevention system. So right now this is only looking at stopping the transfer of invasive species, um, into the Great Lakes, not from the Great Lakes into the Mississippi River Basin. Um, so we need to have a back and forth here because all these waterways are vital,
0: Mm -hmm. um, so, And are you having dialogue or is the Alliance for Great Lakes having dialogue with some groups in St. Louis and, and upstream and downstream? Because I, I like that idea of the, the notion of the two-way prevention. So that mm-hmm. means is there some type of dialogue and relationship that's going on downstream that, that you're aware of?
1: Uh, I believe some of that is happening. So, for example, one of our partner organizations um, that we've been working with on this issue is Prairie Rivers Network. So, they have a lot more connection to the Mississippi River issue, um, and have a lot more relationships with folks downstream.
0: Um, so, gotcha. Nice. And you, you mentioned uh, on top of that some additional measures besides what you mentioned is just curious. Are what are maybe some of those additional measures? that be on top of what we talked about or have we hit all those?
1: Sure. Yeah. There's something that I'm not an expert on and I don't know that I'll be able to go into too much detail on, but something that's called, uh, aquatic. So there are two terms used for invasive species, aquatic invasive species, as well as aquatic nuisance species, um, aquatic nuisance species treatment lock. Um, so this is essentially using some sort of chemical that I'm, I can't remember at the moment um, to stop uh, carp from moving mm-hmm. or any sort of invasive species from moving. Like I said, I, I couldn't speak on the detail of it um, not being prepared, but this is something that has been proven in early uh, study to be a successful solution, not a solution, but, certainly an improvement in prevention efforts um so i know that this is something that the army corps is being pushed to look into um our friends and partners at the nature conservancy um are really the guides behind this this is their concept um and i know they're working closely with the army corps on the feasibility of something like this
0: gotcha well that's interesting and i'd like to to research that a little more and get into that um, but but anything else that you you can think of that maybe for the alliance or the great lakes or i mean if um, any in in addition to that could you maybe give us an, a, an example or an example of uh, opportunity of how people could reach out to you or learn more about your organization sure
1: yeah so i mean our website is really easy greatlakes.org um you can find a wealth of information there on additional issues that we're working on, like um, harmful algal blooms in Western Lake Erie, um, drinking water issues, more about invasive species. Um, There are also opportunities for those of you who are local to the Great Lakes region um, to volunteer. Um, This is everything from what we call Adopt-A-Beach, which is participating in beach cleanups um, around the Great Lakes to becoming an ambassador, where you go through a more thorough training and you are actually able to represent the alliance at different events. Um, We are a relatively small organization. I think we've got 20-some staff members at the moment. Um, And so we can't be at everything all the time. Um, So this is an opportunity for some of our more dedicated volunteers to get to know the organization a bit more um, and get to go to some pretty cool events uh, on behalf of the alliance, and get to share some of our work.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And then, yeah, I look forward to volunteering myself and, and putting out some more content around some of the amazing work you do. And I really liked how we talked about all bringing all these water issues close to home, where something where the, making the water issues in Lake Victoria in Lake Michigan just as important, uh, from drinking water to uh, water maintaining a healthy ecosystem they're all very important for the the well-being of everyone around us so it was, it was very insightful uh, and fruitful to have this discussion with you and really appreciate your time and, and, and discussion here today
1: great yeah thanks it was great talking to you and happy to share about this and all the work, great work that we're doing here at the alliance so thank you for having me
0: of course thank you very much and have a great day
1: you too